And we are live. Gas prices set an all-time high. What else is new? It seems like that happens every week when we uh, do this show. Inflation continues to burn, and a lot of important people are talking about how we might be facing some economic hardship uh, in the near future. Joe Biden's solution? Double down on renewable energy. It's a broken record when it comes to that stuff. We're going to talk about all of that and more in episode 349 of the In the Tank podcast. Somewhat new intro there, I guess. I <laughs> couldn't really tell much of a difference. Welcome to the Think Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Donald Kendall. Joining me today, I've got Jim Lakely, VP of the Heartland Institute, who promises he's got some salacious things to say in our opening chit-chat. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. I guess I'm in a bad mood because I'm still not 100% over COVID. We have some ridiculous uh, clown show theater of uh, January 6th prime time going on all the networks tonight. So... Uh, yeah, I'm a little salty. <laughs> also joining us, Chris Talgo, senior editor here at the Heartland Institute. How are you today, good sir? Preparing for this circus that is uh, going to ensue tonight on the January 6th, uh, you know, uh, commission. So it'll be, I'm sure, just, just can't miss it. Yeah, you know, considering that we're like a year and a half away from those events, don't we have to say January 6th, 2021 at this point? We should. <laughs> it's so long. No, ago. no, 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 no. It's it, it's a date that goes down in infamy, like you know, like nine eleven. Nine eleven. Hell, that's what they said. It was the worst. Or like I don't know. Was there? What, does anyone remember the date that the White House was burned in the War of eighteen twelve? Because that's Chris another does. date. He probably does. <laughs> no, but uh, they did uh, uh, compare it to uh, December seventh, nineteen forty one. So there you go. Gotcha, yeah. gotcha. Uh, so before we get into all of this, I just want to put that message out there that I do at the beginning of every episode for our audio-only listeners that are catching this show, probably on a Friday, that you can join us a day earlier, watch the video version of the show live on YouTube and Rumble and Twitter and Facebook on Thursdays at noon central time. You can join the conversation, put your comments and your questions in there. Maybe we'll uh, show your comment on screen. Maybe we'll address your questions on the fly. And then also... Uh, make sure to subscribe to us on any platform that you're watching. But also, if you're watching on YouTube, to make sure to subscribe to the In The Tank podcast channel on YouTube. We created a separate channel after YouTube threatened to destroy our main channel because of some of the things that, well, let's face it, Jim said. And so <laughs> in, a, in an effort to not censor ourselves, we created a separate channel on YouTube uh, where if things are a little bit, uh, you know, the topics that we're going to cover are a little... Uh, controversial we'll only do it on that channel to preserve our main channel so subscribe to that to protect our free speech and also to ensure that you don't miss an episode so uh as jim and chris already teased with their references to a circus that might be happening tonight um that that apparently is the thing that the the media wants us to pay attention to with all the things going on in the world all-time high gas prices Raging inflation, war in Ukraine, explosion of violent crime in uh, cities, constitutional crisis involving the Supreme Court, stock market down 10% for the year. All of that is Wide not open a, border. <laughs> all of that is not enough to distract uh, the government from focusing on what is most important to them, politics. So tonight is the opening night for a uh, grand political theater. Congressional hearings will begin for the events revolving around the unguided tour that took place on the 6th of January, about a year and a half ago. Uh, Chris, you pay a lot more attention to the corporate media than I do. Uh, what should we be expecting tonight? Oh, I'm sure it's going to be just extremely over the top. Uh, Donnie, I think I told you yesterday that uh, the uh, committee has uh, hired a former uh, Good Morning America and Nightline uh, producer to produce the spectacle that we will all be watching on primetime MSNBC and CNN. So, yeah, I'm sure I'll probably, you know, click in for 
couple of minutes here and there, but no, I am not going to be devoting, you know, a couple hours of my life oh, tonight yeah. to watching, you know, Jerry Nadler and, uh, you know, uh, Lynn Cheney and just all, all, all these people, you know, just, you know, tell us how terrible things were on January 6th when we know that it was not nearly as bad as it was. They should release the footage. Show us what really happened. Oh, you know what? Um, I think, I think we, we should make you watch it. Chris, I think this should be part of your your job for the next episode. <laughs> You're going to be our correspondent. I thought torture. To tune in to see I thought torture was illegal in the United States. <laughs> uh, good point. Good point. Uh, Jim, I mean, are are you going to tune in? Are you expecting some fireworks? Is this going to be a snooze fest? What do you think? No, no, I'm not going to tune in. Uh, I, I'll, I'm sure I'll watch clips on Twitter and other places and YouTube as people mock this uh, this complete clown show uh, for what it is. We should actually mention there was a big you you glossed over it a little bit there, Donnie, in your rundown of all the other things that are going on in the United States that are more important than this stupid January 6th, uh, you know, production show. Somebody tried to assassinate a sitting member of our Supreme Court, and he was inspired to do so by the leftist rhetoric uh, of people like Chuck Schumer, who said, you know, you're going to reap the whirlwind if you make these bad decisions. Uh, You know, it's CNN's initial report on Kavanaugh, on this guy who got within feet of his door and then confessed that his plan was to, to bring meaning to his life. He thought, I could bring meaning to my life if I go into, if I break into Brett Kavanaugh's house, assassinate him. Um, I think the plan was to also, he had zip ties and he had knives and he had uh, duct tape and his whole family was in there. So yeah, maybe pro- probably tie up uh, the mom and the two daughters, the two teen daughters, and maybe kill them too. Uh, he got within feet of the door before he was stopped. Um, by the way, there should have been um, more police and more uh, armed protection around Kavanaugh's house. But Nancy Pelosi, after the, after a bill protecting our Supreme Court justices, passed unanimously in the Senate. She refused to bring it up for a vote to allow this to happen. And so she is. Uh, Dana Perino said this on Fox. I didn't. I don't have cable anymore, but I saw a clip of this yesterday. Dana Perino on the Five said that if Nancy Pelosi doesn't pass that bill immediately, first thing in the morning, unanimously, or whatever it takes, then she's complicit if anything happens to Kavanaugh or anybody else. And she's 100% correct. Uh, we live in a in a world now. Uh, oh, and by the way, CNN's initial report on, uh, on, on this plot to assassinate Brett Kavanaugh, sitting Supreme Court justice, which is something that is actually a danger to our republic. That actually does threaten. Are the very republic itself, not not a four hour riot uh, of yahoos on January 6th, by the way. But we're going to be we're, all day, all day today and, and all day tomorrow. And, you know, for however long it lasts, we're going to have to pretend that January 6th is, is, is actually a thing. But CNN's report questioned whether this guy even had any weapons. And then, you know, they, they denied that he was some kind of Democrat or leftist, which he obviously was. And they said, you know, this kind of danger is present on both sides. You know, I am sick of yeah. this. Yeah. There is one side that demonizes their political opponents, that, that accuses all of their anybody to the left of, of AOC of being a white nationalist. Right. Uh, and that these things lead to things like attempted assassinations on a sitting Supreme Court justice and to kill his family. What was it? Four years ago, five years ago, there was that shooting at that baseball uh, park where the where the congressional baseball team, the Republican side was practicing. The guy was a devoted leftist. He he hated Donald Trump. He watched MSNBC all the time, loved Rachel Maddow and felt that it was his duty to kill as many Republicans as possible because the Democratic and leftist rhetoric was that GOP health care policy was going to kill tens of thousands of people. We are we are living in I don't know if we're ever going to get back to normal anymore, but we live in a society in which January 6th, like I said, a four hour riot. It was bad. Everybody who who damaged property and committed crimes should pay for them, but they shouldn't be sitting uh, as political prisoners without trial for two years, which is what a lot of them are doing, charged with parading. But we live in a place. Look, the, the left, they don't they actually would not care if 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 let's be honest about this. They wouldn't care if Brett Kavanaugh and his family got killed. They would think that that was, you know, just the price to pay to uh, to keep abortion in the Constitution. This is that's the truth of the world that we live in right now. And we have politicians on the left that are encouraging this. We had an entire summer, the BLM, uh, the Black Lives Matter and the Antifa riots all the time. Why was that? Why was that allowed to go on and on? Why was it encouraged by our by our media elite, by our by our ruling class on the left? Because it served the purpose of getting Donald Trump out of the White House and making sure 
that he would be. And now and that's what this whole January 6th thing is as well. It's to make sure that Donald Trump can't run for president again, because they're going to make him complicit in the almost overthrow insurrection of our government. It is absurd. And they are already ignoring the Kavanaugh attempted assassination like it's no big deal. You know why? Because they've actually they're the ones that are complicit. In it. They're encouraging this. Uh, you know, this country's broken. I really sometimes feel like this country is broken. Uh, we have one party on the left and it's media that just lost their collective minds in 2016 when Hillary lost and they've just never gotten over it. And they are determined that that nothing like that will ever happen again. And now they've actually extended it. There's no way Democrats should ever lose another election. They've, they've done everything for that as well. So this is probably going to get us banned off of our Heartland channel. Andy's having a panic attack right now producing this from his home. But, you know, I am sick of living in a world where you turn on the TV and you can watch this, Chris, because I won't do it, where they pretend that January 6th was a big deal and the attempted assassination of Brett Kavanaugh is just kind of the price that we have to pay um, if you try to go against the left. Well, Jim got his uh, energy back from his uh, long, long COVID fight. That, that yeah, that's clear. Uh, he he followed through with his his uh, claim that he had some salacious things to say. But Jim, I mean, those riots that you referenced, those were mostly peaceful, and those were just the unheard. Uh, you know, uh, getting their message out there. And this January sixth thing is the worst incident since August 24th, 1814, during the War of 1812 between the United States and England, where the British troops entered Washington, D.C. and burned down the White House. Thank you, Abel Windsor, for that uh, that factoid for us. But uh, I, I, go ahead. I heard, I, I, heard a, I heard a clip, a news clip of some news, some talking head moron saying that, you know, the January 6th was the worst attack on the Capitol in 200 years. Like, uh... Do you guys remember that the Capitol was actually bombed? Bombs went off by radical leftists in the 1970s. That happened. That was worse than what happened on January 6th. Some guy walking off with Nancy Pelosi's podium is not a threat to the Republic. I think I think a plane went through the Pentagon. Uh, is that does that count as being in the Capitol? Is, is yeah, that, that close I, enough? Proximity? I think that I think I think that counts as as a bigger attack on our democracy than again a four hour riot um, no. of some yahoos who just who obviously got out of hand and committed crimes. But that's not the same. And yeah. in fact, one, in fact, and of course, we all know that the the plane that went down in Pennsylvania was aimed at the Capitol building. Sure. And I started I started working as a journalist at the Capitol in 2002 or 2003. Uh, it's been so long now, I don't remember. But I used to walk up from Union Station up the hill um, to, to the Capitol every day. And I'd look at that beautiful dome and I would I'd think to myself, that's not supposed to be here. Um, you know, so that's a real attack on our on our democracy, not January 6th. And I'm freaking tired. I almost, oh gosh, I almost swore again. I'm freaking tired of hearing about it. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll admit, I haven't paid the closest attention to the whole January 6th narrative. I, I know enough to know that the unguided tour was far from an insurrection and i know that there's a lot of accusations that trump was trying to foment an insurrection at the capitol building and how you know i mean obviously that's overblown not the case at all and, and downright fake news i mean in my opinion like the some of the stuff that's leveled at trump for this is worse than the aftermath of charlottesville where he was being accused of saying that neo-nazis were good people when in that statement in question, he specifically says neo-Nazis should be condemned completely. And then in this case, with the whole January 6th thing, when Trump's given that speech, he talks about how you know people should have their ver uh, their voices heard peacefully, of course. He says that specifically. It's not like he's up there like, go burn down that Capitol building, take Nancy Pelosi's uh, podium, <laughs> you know, like. It's a joke to think that this is something bigger than that. But I, I do know that there's like, a, I don't know, like some uh, things that go beyond the unguided tour that, uh, you know, Trump was trying to get some officials to undermine the the election in some way or another. Chris, again, you you watch CNN and MSNBC far more than I would even think of doing. Uh, is there any fire here or any any smoke even from your perspective? Uh, from my perspective, no. Uh, you know, they're, <clears throat> they're accusing Peter Navarro. They're accusing a bunch of uh, ex-Trump officials, including, uh, you know, Steve Bannon, of trying to plot this uh, this coup uh, on January 6th. And, you know, the evidence is, you know, pretty thin from what I've seen. You know, they've, they've, they've uh, uh, sent out some text messages and stuff. Mark Meadows, you know, the whole Ginny Thomas uh, affair. But, uh, you know, it, it does not seem as if there was this this high level, you know, coordinated plot to 
to you know overturn the 2020 election. That's just not true. Uh, it seems you know from all the evidence uh, available that you know, like Jim said, you know, some people got too rowdy. They entered the Capitol, but when you look at the videotape, policemen were allowing them to enter. So, you know, there's a whole bunch of questions that have not been answered. Like, first of all, whatever happened or not whatever happened, why did Nancy Pelosi and the uh, mayor of D.C., Muriel Bowser, why did they uh, reject uh, President Trump's uh, request for uh, uh, 20,000 U.S. troops uh, to police the Capitol on that day? Right. there's a lot of questions about FBI involvement and this Ray Epps guy and uh, you know, how many plainclothes uh, FBI agents were there and kind of starting trouble and citing and, and coordinating. You know, I've watched a really good documentary uh, from the Tucker Carlson about uh, January 6th. And there is, uh, you know, plenty of evidence that points that there actually might have been some coordination between the FBI with all this stuff. <laughs> and just like we saw with the uh, the Michigan, uh, you know, uh, Governor Whitmer plot, it was not it, it was not a bunch of people that came up with it. It was the FBI recruiting, you know, these these people to become involved with it. So, you know, I, I, I doubt we will ever get to the bottom of what actually happened on January 6th, but I you know think that it's been uh, totally blown out of proportion. Uh, on CBS News yesterday, they were saying that five police officers died on January 6th. That's just not true. Right. One one of them had a uh, stroke, uh, you know, hours later. Brian Sicknick, he was not killed with like a the next fire day. extinguisher. <laughs> yeah. So they're just making stuff up. We never got into the bottom of the story about what happened to Ashley Babbitt in, in you know, I guess it's just one of those things that we'll never know the full story. We'll never know. But I no. think it's obviously being uh, exaggerated and blown way out of proportion by people like Eric Swalwell, uh, you know, Adam Jeez. Kinzinger and Liz Cheney and just, uh, you know, all the people on the January 6th uh, select committee. So it's a uh, it's a partisan uh, attack. And, uh, you know, like both of you guys have said, we've got so much more that we should be focusing on so much more. Yeah, it, it's a partisan it's a it's a partisan uh event with the complicity. Well, I love using that word now because it was it was it was very popular to say complicit when Trump was president. If you if you didn't want, try to take him out of office at every moment you were awake, you were complicit in all the all evil things he was doing to the United States of America. Um but you know, again, this is this is the the reason um what's his name? Who's the guy who just got arrested uh Chris who um for uh, Pete, ignoring Peter the Navarro. subpoena? Yeah, Peter, Peter Navarro. Navarro. Peter Navarro. Yeah, he 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 rejected the legitimacy of the subpoena for him to appear um, before Congress because he says this is not a legitimate committee, and he's right because yeah. the republic the Republicans did not get as every committee like this, and the rules of the House actually state gets to pick their own members. Um, and Nancy Pelosi said, "No, you don't." Um, in fact, they did pick their own members, and she knows that the people that she picked know a lot more or will want to talk about fully what happened on January 6th, not just what the left wants the narrative to be on January 6th. So she rejected them. They're off the committee. So we'll put on Liz Cheney and we'll put on Adam Kinzinger. Adam Kinzinger is going to be out of office here in a few months because uh, he's he got primary or not primary doubt. He got redistrict out of his um, out of his district here in Illinois. So uh, that's what you get for cooperating with Democrats. You get uh, <laughs> when they get power, they just they just dunk you out. But if you're, if you're wondering why the Capitol riot happened at all, I mean, it's part of what we're seeing right now in America. I mean, we have a political and social culture that allows and encourages political violence against anybody that's not on the left. We have Democratic Party members who commit crimes and get off scot-free. I'm talking about, you could just start with the high levels at the FBI, uh, people on, on the so-called seventh floor, Peter Strzok, Lisa Page, John Brennan lies into Congress. Um, and, Sussman. And commits, Sussman. There's a huge list. Of if you are well connected, if you are part of the Democratic Party, if you are part of oh my gosh, I'm going to say it, the deep state, you can actually commit crimes with impunity. You will not be held accountable. Um, But if you are not on the left and you are caught up in some in some things, and they will find a way to charge you with crimes and ruin your life. Uh, So it's that kind of stuff, and it does not end in this country yet. You know, I I am not justifying riots, and I, I think peaceful demonstrations. Or the way to go, but you could I can you can almost understand why people would get upset when they keep seeing this happen over and over and over again. Leftists could do whatever they want anywhere in the government, outside of government, and there are no 
almost no uh, repercussions from it, even if they commit crimes. But people on the right, again, there's people from the, from the January 6th who are charged with parading or interrupting a congressional proceeding who are sitting in jail, rotting in solitary confinement. And they are they're awaiting trial and they and the and the and our government is pressuring them to plead guilty and turn on their friends or whatever, or, or admit that Donald Trump uh, is bad. And that uh, one defendant had to admit in public court, she had to admit out loud that uh, Joe Biden was pr the properly elected president of the United States. When you see things like this, you get a little angry. I don't know. And so that, to me, that's all. If I was to watch Jan the January 6th, uh, you know, clown show that's going to be happening tonight, I'd be going insane because these are the kind of things I'd be thinking about because this is a complete sham. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, one more call for everyone that's just listening to the audio only. You you have to join the live version of this. We have a very active uh, uh, commenters base here. A uh, very interesting conversation about tea going on. So, uh, you know, if you're very, if you're interested in joining in the conversation, again, join us Thursdays noon Central Time. But yeah, like I like I mentioned, you know, they're trying to get America to focus on this. I don't know how long. Uh, is there any estimation of how long this circus act is going to go? Is it going to be like a one day thing? Is it going to go on for a week? A month? It'll be it'll be multiple days. Okay. All right. So yeah, we'll we'll focus on this as if it's more important than the raging gas prices and you know the the raging prices of everything for that matter. And uh, you know people are really starting to feel the pinch of these things. And and I'll say when I'm driving to work and I see the gas prices going up by ten cents almost every day, it, it seriously makes me feel sick to my stomach. But it, it's hard to make Trump and Republicans look bad with that story. So let's talk about something else. Oh, I know. Trump tried to take over the country with a group of fans at the Capitol building. Well, you know, if it can, if the uh, economy continues to shake apart, they're going to have to confront this reality sooner or later. But as of now, it appears as though the administration is pretending that the economy is doing fine for the most part. When inflation first started getting out of hand, the talking point from the administration was that inflation was just the result of the economy roaring back to life. And that it was almost a good sign that we were seeing inflation because that was a testament to the economy coming back and people wanting to spend more money and buy more things. And it seems that they're somewhat still using this talking point. So I, I have this tweet uh, from POTUS. Um, it, it, this is a recent tweet. I think it was just the other day. Biden says... Um, at the time I took office, about 16 months ago, the economy had stalled and COVID was out of control. Today, thanks to the, thanks to the economic plan and the vaccination plan that my administration put into action, America has achieved the most robust recovery in modern history. So that's the official story, is that we are right now in the midst of the biggest recovery that the economy has ever seen. Um, which I think is very hard for people to believe when they're driving to the, you know, anywhere and they see these gas prices. But the sentiment was also reflected in remarks that Biden gave about the latest jobs report just a few days ago. And, and there's a couple of statements here that I want your guys's reaction to. So I'll break it down into three parts. So the first part is him just kind of talking about the excellent jobs report and how unemployment rate is remaining at near historic lows at 3.6%. Chris, we were talking about this a little bit yesterday, um, and you were saying that you know when they talk about the, the unemployment rate, it's incredibly misleading. You want to take it from here? Yeah, it's just totally misleading because if you look at the labor participation rate, it's still uh, you know near all-time lows. Uh, you can, you know, you can trace that back to the fact that throughout the pandemic, uh, the uh, federal government and, you know, many state governments, including the state of Illinois, for example, uh, you know, just made it so easy for people to stay at home, watch Netflix and not work. And now, you know, we are uh, in, a, in an economy where there's a huge labor shortage. There's 11.4 million open jobs, open, unfilled jobs. And, you know, just anecdotally, everywhere I go, whether it's a, you know, restaurant or a store or wherever, people are saying that they can't hire, that people just won't work. And, you know, there's a lot of reasons for this. Uh, but I think, you know, primarily this is due to the fact that the government paid people not to work. You know, Joe Biden's American Rescue Plan, which was completely unnecessary after the pandemic was over, after we had, you know, the vaccine, sending uh, everyone $1,400 checks, 
it just it just made the situation so much worse. And people have figured out ways to survive without having jobs. And this is something that we're going to have to deal with for, I think, for a very long time. So, yes, he can sit there and say, you know, the unemployment rate is 3.6 percent. But that doesn't matter because it's not a true gauge of the health of the uh, of, of the labor market. The labor market's in shambles right now. And it's going to be in shambles unless and until uh, the federal government, uh, you know, incentivizes people to return to work because right now they're incentivizing people not to work. Yeah. So then, I mean, that, that ties into the next kind of series of points that he makes during these remarks and everything that we talk about is in the show notes, if you want to read it in, in length here, but I got a couple of quotes from our, our, um, our POTUS here quote, because of the enormous progress we've made on the economy, the Americans can tackle inflation from a position of strength. And all of this I'm reading word for word. And they do a seemingly a fairly good job of trying to clean up his uh, his words, but some of them are just Bidenisms built right into the sentence structure here. In fact, America is stronger economic, in a stronger economic position today than just about any other country in the world. Independent experts have projected that the U.S. economy could grow faster than China's economy this year. That hasn't happened since 1976, nearly one half century ago. The point is this. We've laid an economic foundation that's historically strong. Jim, does it feel like the economy is uh, in a historically strong position? Because it doesn't for me. I... uh... Oh man, you're really you're really dedicated to keeping me pissed off today. <laughs> asking me these setup questions. Look, I am sick to death of being gaslit about what this economy is doing. I mean, it's infuriating to hear Joe Biden come out and and tell us that you know, or tweet that you know, this is the strongest economy we've ever seen. Uh, you know that things are going great. Unemployment is down. Uh, look, people know that the economy is in big big trouble. That inflation has only begun. We haven't seen the end of it yet. Um, you know, it's, it's almost $6 a gallon now. It, it was five ninety one. What was, I think last week it was five, five sixty. I mean, mm-hmm. it's going, the, the gasoline prices are going up two bucks a month at this rate. Uh, people know that this economy is not great. Uh, you can't convince people that it is just by spouting some kind of BS statistics, which you can make lie for you that everything is fine. And it is infuriating. And I think this is where you know, elections do matter if, if if the elections and the votes are counted up correctly, that the Democrats are going to be in a, uh, a very weakened position come November. What is it? November 1st? Or yeah, I think that's the first the election day or November 8th of this year, uh, because people are not dumb. They will not be convinced no matter how much, you know, Biden mumbles it out of his out of his mouth that that things are fine and that his that him and his party should be rewarded for it uh, on Election Day. Right. Grocery, grocery, uh, you know, people know it's like if the economy is so great, why is bread? Why is a loaf of bread twice what it was, um, you know, six months ago? Why is why is it take? Why does it cost me one hundred and twenty five dollars to fill up my gas tank when it cost me 40 bucks a year ago? You can't convince people. Uh, so th- this gaslighting, it's not going to work. Uh, and yeah. no matter how much interference the media runs for, for this this regime and his and his harebrained schemes, uh, the reality on the ground is a lot different. Everybody knows what it is. And, and, and actually what you see is in the polls. We don't talk about polls a ton on this podcast, but, you know, this, he has I didn't think this was possible, but uh, Joe Biden has lower approval ratings than Donald Trump does did at this part of his presidency. Uh, and Joe Biden is apparently very mad about that. Well, maybe stop sabotaging our economy and gaslighting the American people and maybe your numbers will go up. Yeah, when you say gaslighting, that triggers me. It's just like, oh, waste of fuel, waste of fuel. It's not <laughs> gaslighting. But uh, yeah, no, I, I, there's one more section of this uh, of these Biden notes on the economy that uh, I'm going to save for a little bit later. But like, obviously, there's a, a lot of people that are concerned, uh, you know, like when they see the gas prices, when they go into grocery, their, their grocery bill going up substantially every week. I mean, these two things alone are enough to kind of sound the alarm for people that are like, you know what, maybe we should start cutting back or, or, you know, possibly saving for a rainy day that seems to be right around the corner. But when highly influential people come out and warn about an impending economic hurricane, 
that scares the crap out of people. Um, and that's what happened recently with Jamie Diamond, who is CEO, Diamond, there's no DSN, yes. CEO right. of JP Morgan Chase, who is quoted here saying, you know, I said there would be storm clouds, but I'm going to change it. It's a hurricane, Diamond said Wednesday at a financial conference in New York. Um, while conditions seem fine at the moment, nobody knows uh, if a hurricane is a minor one or a superstorm Sandy, he added. You better brace yourself, Diamond told a room full of analysts and investors. JP, uh, JP Morgan is bracing ourselves, and we're going to have a very conservative, we're going to be very conservative with our balance sheet. Right now, it's kind of sunny. Things are doing fine. Everyone thinks the Fed can handle this, Diamond said. <laughs> that hurricane is right out there, right down the road, coming our way. Um, he also talks about how, you know, because of the conflicts going on, the war with Russia and Ukraine, that this is probably going to result in oil prices to continue to go up. Right now, what is it, like a $120 a barrel type of, is that the prices for crude oil? He's saying that's potentially going to hit 150 to 175 dollars a barrel so imagine what that's going to look like when that filters down into what our gas prices are at the pump so i mean this isn't some alex jones type that's sounding the alarm because he's trying to sell survival food kits and vitamin pills or anything like that like this is the ceo of jp morgan chase saying these things chris shouldn't we be listening to what he has to say here what do you think yeah, I think in general, we should be listening to what Jamie Dimon has to say from a macroeconomic <clears throat> perspective. However, I tend to disagree a lot with uh, Jamie Dimon when it comes to economic policies. Mm. Uh, in general, I think that, you know, he uh, is in favor of big government uh, supporting big banks. And uh, he was not complaining or whining whatsoever when uh, the Fed was just printing money like, you know, like to no end and JP Morgan uh, was lending that money out and just, you know, making hand over fist. I'm much more concerned with how this is uh, uh, impacting uh, the average American and just a couple of statistics to just, you know, show how bad uh, the current economy is for the, uh, you know, the common American is 67% of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. And the uh, savings rate is at an all-time low and credit card utilization rate is at an all-time high. Mm. So, yes, during the uh, throes of the pandemic, people were given, uh, you know, government checks, which, you know, lots of them used to pay down debt or maybe stowed away. However, uh, those have been spent. And now uh, so many people are resorting to uh, putting stuff on credit and you're going to get uh, interest rates, you know, just getting higher and higher and higher and they're going to pay higher and higher interest rates on the you know giant uh credit card debt that they're accumulating and this is just going to spiral out of control and uh donnie you know just one other thing that i think we should pay particular attention to in the latest jobs report they said that uh wages had gone up by five percent but that 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 does not uh mean that people's uh discretionary income is increasing because inflation is up 8.3%. And that is a very, very low estimate of inflation. You know, take yeah, it's that not C real. Yeah. Take that CPI index with a giant grain of salt because the real uh, inflation, uh, you know, impact on people is more like 20, 30%. So, you know, if they're making 5% higher in wages, good for them. But, you know, th that that is being lost because everything is more expensive. Everything yeah, is right. more it, it, it's hard to take it with a grain of salt because even salt is getting more expensive. No. Nobody laughs at my jokes. This is ridiculous. No. There's you're a reason both, for that. You're both, you're both fired. Wah, wah, you're both fired. Yeah. Well, uh, I, I, I read a story the other just to just to follow on to what Chris said. We're just come on, on, Andy. Give me some props. <laughs> gonna move on. We need. I guess we need to get some canned laughter on here to help you out, Donnie. All right, Andy well, was laughing we can work in the on background. That. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, no, I just read a story on the Wall Street Journal the other day uh, about how. Lawn care companies, so you know the guys who cut your grass and you know collect your leaves and trim your hedges and all that stuff. Uh, costs for them have gone up twenty two percent, and there that's a that's actually I, I would think looking at what the struggles of a lawn care company is is a really good um, snapshot of what it's like to be a small businessman, sure. because a lot of these a lot of these businesses are very um, uh, you know they're very mom and pop. Um, often they'll maybe have 10 or 12 guys, you know, and they just, they run a few lawnmowers out there. Um, but the costs of 
uh, gasoline, for instance, of course, uh, which is a big expense for them. Uh, spare parts. There was a, a guy who said, I can't, you know, a belt breaks on my on my lawnmower on some of my equipment and it, it costs three times as much today as it did last year to buy that part. And uh, so these guys, they go to their customers, they go to the, the homeowners and say, look, I, I know I charged you 300 bucks a month last year. I'm going to have to, in order for me to just barely get by, I'm going to have to charge you $550 or even more. And so they lose customers. And so they lose people that they can uh, on their crews because they don't have enough jobs to do it. Or they used to go out wide and have a big, uh, you know, big area that was kind of their territory for cutting grass. And now they're going to bring that in because it's too expensive to keep driving all the way out there to do someone's lawn. So, mm -hmm. you know, these are, this is where the gaslighting comes in. We're like, you know, it's like, wow, we created 6 million jobs. It's like, you know, shutting the entire economy down and telling people um, to stay home and not go to work and um, having I mean, massive layoffs and, and all of that. And then let them go, letting some of them go back to work is not creating 6 million new jobs, uh, you know, first of all, but, you know, we still have a hiring uh, crisis in this country. There are a lot of small businesses and restaurants. You go to a restaurant and um, there you can tell they're understaffed or they'll even have notes out saying that, you know, some of the services you're used to are not available because we don't right. have enough staff to do it. I mean, this economy, I am still, you know, despite what Joe Biden says, or if you if you even took him at face value, where's the good news? Have, has anyone heard any good news about the economy uh, in the last two years? Since, since COVID, of course, the answer is no. But we do remember it wasn't that long ago. We actually did have the best economy that most people can remember in their lifetimes during the, uh, the Trump administration. You know, we had we were energy independent. We had strong economic growth. We had the lowest black and, uh, and another minority unemployment rates in the history of the country. And so to have only experienced that three years ago, to listen to the White House and this president tell you you don't know how good you have it is, is an insult. And they're going to pay for it. Well, at the ballot box. Well, and, and just to uh, uh, expand on what Jim was saying, during the uh, the heyday of the Trump economy, we know that the people at the bottom rungs of the income ladder were actually uh, making much more than the people at the very top. And we know that that's because of the tax cuts and the, uh, uh, the uh, regulation restrictions that happened. And we also know that uh, during, uh, you know, Trump's uh, years before the pandemic hit that we had uh, uh, healthy economic growth. And Donnie, we know that the economy shrank last quarter right. under Joe Biden. So at, at, at the most macro uh, level possible, the economy is in the tank. We are on the verge of a, of a recession and we are probably going to enter a uh, stagflation uh, uh, situation here. And it's just, it, it, it's so sad because this is all self-induced, you know, uh, Joe Biden inherited an economy that was in a V-shaped recovery. He inherited a bunch of uh, vaccines ready to go. And on day one, he, you know, he put the kibosh on that. You know, his anti-energy policies, his, you know, uh, you know, taxes, his, you know, just profligate government spending. Regulations. And, you know, and, 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 and yeah, the, the incredible uh, uh, amount of regulations that he has uh, you know, uh, put upon the economy is stifling production and it's also stifling uh, job creation. So it makes, you know, it, it, it makes sense that we are in a, uh, a really down economy right now. And it's it, it's because of the policies coming out of the White House. So yeah. he, he keeps saying that that, you know, he's doing everything he can. And there's nothing that he can do to lower gas prices or to uh, fight inflation. That is just not true. And the American people know that. And, you know, I think it was last week that we were saying the American people are not as stupid as Joe Biden and the White House thinks they are. And this is all, I think, playing out before us, you know, right. the polling and just everything. Everywhere I go, people, you know, are, are saying stuff that, gosh, we just we, we can't take this any longer. We, we, yeah. You know, we we, we need to change. Yeah. Jamie Dimon is not the only one uh, kind of sounding this alarm. Larry Summers, former Treasury Secretary under Obama, said in a recent interview for Bloomberg that a coming recession is, quote, the most likely thing. It says uh, in this article, he added that the odds of a recession inducing hard landing, a pro prolonged economic downturn that follows after a period of rapid growth are, quote, certainly better than half and quite possibly two thirds or more chance of happening, right? Uh, Elon Musk also echoed these sentiments when he said that he has a super bad feeling. <laughs> That's the quote, super bad feeling about the economy. 
So when I hear, you know, all of these takes from these high level people uh, coupled with the inflation and the gas prices and the supposed supply chain disruption, it makes the statements made by the Biden administration seem like they are a in denial of the economic reality and or b uh, that they're just not taking the situation seriously. Jim, do you think it's both of those or more one or the other? More what is this, uh, repeat the question. Given the looking- global nature of that oh jim just had a i didn't attack. i didn't mean to do that what was uh, the question again that uh are, are they are, is the biden administration just in denial or are they just not taking the situation seriously because they could have meetings with all of these people at the same time if they wanted to like all right well what are you seeing they don't seem to be doing that so is it just denial or just not taking it seriously or a third option i think a third option is is uh uh, incompetence. And well, I, I think I said this on a, on a, on a previous podcast that I think the destruction of our U S economy, the, the, the reordering of it, uh, you know, is, is what's on the agenda. You know, they don't like the fact that, um, you know, that we were energy independent. So they put an end to that very quickly. Uh, they don't like the fact that the United States had uh, a strong, you know, the strongest economy, in the world at the time when Trump was president. So they took, they're taking care of that right now too, doing all they can. They're certainly not doing anything to help, you know, get us out of a post COVID recession. Uh, It's part of the plan. You can't, I said this last week, you can't fundamentally transform a nation full of productive, healthy, happy people. Um, And the fundamental transform transformation in the United States is what Barack Obama wanted to do when he came into office in, in 2008 uh, he didn't fully transform it. He thought Hillary was going to be the one to, to complete the job. There was a little interregnum of sanity and America first policies from from uh, Donald Trump. And now they get to go back to the program again. Uh, you know, these are these are ideologues who who believe that it's not a good thing if the United States is prosperous and powerful in the world. They really believe that. And so if you believe that, what is your agenda? Your agenda is to weaken the United States, is to get people to get used to not being the top dog in the world, to be to be honest. That's why people have patriotic pride, because the United States is awesome. <laughs> we are economic powerhouses. We are cultural powerhouses. We dominate the world. Mm-mm. The left and the leftists in this administration don't like that. So when, yeah. when you see all this bad news happening and they, they just try to pretend that the economy isn't bad or they'll say those stupid things that Biden said, just so that people don't get too upset. But look, this is the agenda. The agenda is a smaller United States of America, both economically, culturally, and maybe not culturally, but but certainly economically and militarily and, and powerful and influential on the world stage. We have to be brought down. We've been yeah. telling the world what to do for wa- far too long, and we're so arrogant. So this I, is we had this coming to us, guys. We had this I, coming to us. I, I've always said, or I've at least said this since the the Trump era, that the Democrats should run on the on the slogan "Make America Europe Again." So that seems to be the the path Uh, that we're heading down. Donnie, I think this is intentional. And I think that they are just trying to create chaos across the board, whether it's in the economy or whether it's, you know, uh, with uh, outrageous crime or whether what's going on at the border. I just think they're just trying to create, uh, you know, a a, a lot of chaos so that. uh, Oh, go ahead. No, I I just don't know. Like, I hate to bring politics up because I'd rather talk about policy than politics. But like. You know, I know that what's most important for politicians is is politics, right? So I just can't imagine that like they think that this message of oh no no everything's fine don't don't look at the gas prices I, everything's fine. I, I I disagree. I think that they are willing to sacrifice an election cycle every so often to to implement the changes that they want. Just like Barack Obama said during uh, the run up to Obamacare passing, he's like. You know what? It's fine because we, you know, we, we lost Congress after it, but we got it through. And once a once a plan is once a program is in place or once a policy is in place, it, it's almost impossible to get rid of it. So I think that they they had take that much more long road approach sure. where fine, fine. We might lose the 2022 midterms, but look at all the stuff that we got into place yeah. and good luck ever getting rid of it. Yeah. You know, it, it's easy to kind of spike the football on Joe Biden because he's just so I won't even finish that sentence, uh, but it's like, you know, some of the some of the other higher ups in the administration, when they are just so missing the target, it really makes you wonder how they're even managing to run this country in any way. Right. So I've got the, running uh, into the ground on purpose. <laughs> no, I've true. got the tr- Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen said she was wrong a year ago uh, when she said that the anticipated inflation would be a quote, a small risk manageable and not a problem. 
That is quite an understatement. Don't worry. You know, it was only the Secretary of the Treasury that misread inflation this terribly. Don't worry, everyone. You know, we'll, we'll let the government uh, control more of our lives and all of that because they're doing such a good dr- job of all the stuff that they're in control of now. We have a couple of clips of Yellen talking about this uh, inflation surprise. So instead of me paraphrasing her, we can uh, listen to her talk. Jim, if you want to play clip one or Andy, whoever's controlling this. Still view inflation, which remains near a 40-year high, as transitory, uh, or do you expect an extended period of raised inflation? Well, when I said that inflation would be transitory, what I was not anticipating was a scenario in which we would end up contending with multiple variants of COVID that would be scrambling our economy and global supply chains. And I was not envisioning um, impacts on food and energy prices we've seen from Russia's invasion. So um, I I do expect inflation to remain high, although I very much hope that it will be coming down now. Okay, I take back what I said about uh, the higher ups not being on the same level as Joe Biden, because she reminded me of a lady that was trying to sell me yarn at Hobby Lobby the other day. So (laughs) the fact that she was Treasury Secretary is a little concerning to me. Um, Let's let's do a couple of these clips, because uh, we've got another one of her talking about uh, how to combat inflation. We already covered Joe Biden's plan last week and how much of a joke it is. But again, Here's the secretary of the plan. She she just said she hopes. Yes. Yeah, she has a plan. Well, let's see what she has to say. Go ahead and play the next clip. Of these markets, that's virtually impossible for us to insulate ourselves from shocks like the ones that are occurring uh, in Russia uh, that move global oil prices. And look, over the medium term, the critical thing is that we become more dependent on the wind and the sun that are not subject to geopolitical influences and passing clean um, energy credits that will boost um, non-renewables um, is, <laughs> I think, really, really critical to, um, to, to, to addressing climate change and our uh, energy costs for households well, going forward. Okay, that 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 you know we talk about word salad sometimes. Um, yeah, uh, she, she this this kind of ties into the next kind of portion of the podcast, which is them doubling down on renewable energy. So you yeah. see her talking about that, and in the 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 one thing that I kind of punted to later when I was talking about uh, Joe Biden's remarks in regards to the economy, he made mention of the Putin price hike. He made sure to mention that. And he talked about how we have to lean more into renewable energy and, and, and stuff so that we're not uh, reliant on a dictator on the other half of the country. But, uh, you know, Jim, I'll, I'll let you talk uh, about this. But I just want to mention right off the bat um, her saying that wind and solar isn't subject to geopolitical stuff going on around the world is false. It's absolutely false. Yeah, I get false? it. I, I get it. There's no war that's going to cause the sunlight to fall on our, well, maybe maybe not. But it's right. not going to affect the sunlight uh, coming down on our solar panels and all of that. But you're completely ignoring the fact that we get all of our rare earth materials from places like China to yeah. build the solar panels that we use to collect the sunlight. I'm pretty sure that our relationship with China could be a little finicky at some times and maybe subject to geopolitical pressures. So the fact that she just like mentioned that as if like we just have these free wind and solar things that are just collecting all this free energy is ridiculous. And it's ridiculous to hear it from somebody at such a high level of the government. Go ahead, Jim. Well, it's it's discouraging if you're worried about the future of the country and our economy. It's dis- pretty discouraging to hear that kind of word salad and the halting, uh, searching for words, answers to things, the, the 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 stuttering and the you know I can't quite articulate what's going on, and the fact that she said that we need more subsidies for non-renewables when she actually meant renewables. Uh, <laughs> right, she, she meant the opposite <laughs> of what she said is what she actually meant. Uh, but she said, you know, if you take it for at her word, she just said we need to uh, have subsidies for fossil fuels. I uh, so okay, fine, let's do that, <laughs> I guess. But you know, she 
she's completely out of touch. Uh, again, I think this 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 steps up to the idea that this is on purpose. Like they don't care. They're not taking any steps that would actually mitigate uh, the 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 inflation crisis and the economic crisis in this country. Yeah. Uh, if you want energy that is not subject to the whims of geopolitics, uh, geopolitics, drill. Just get all the energy here. You can't, right. as you mentioned, Donald, uh, you know, you we, <laughs> where do they think all the solar panels come from? Where do they think all these wind turbines come from? They, they come from materials mined and controlled basically by China. They have been, they've been cornering the market on this for years. Why? Because they know that the Western economies are dumb and that they are enthralled to the environmental left. And so they are they are committed to going green by, by using child labor run by the Chinese to get all this materials out of the ground to be uh, to, to create solar panels at slave labor camps that filled with Uyghurs and then sell it back to the dummies in the West who are thinking they're doing something good by supporting such an evil economic model. Uh, but again, if you actually wanted to make sure that the United States energy grid and our and our energy economy was not dependent on Russia or China or Africa or any other place in the world that is subject to strife, drill your own energy. And we did that under Donald Trump. We were energy independent. It did have a huge effect on the price of natural, the global price of of uh, crude and natural gas around the world, because they knew that, you know, as long as Donald Trump was president, we're going to drill as much as possible. That brought the price, the futures, the price of the future, you know, the futures prices of fossil fuels down because we were a very vigorous and active participant in the global energy economy. Day one, Don, uh, Joe Biden said, forget it. We're out. We're done. And so that's why that's that's a huge factor in the uh, the rise of the price of crude. You know, I was just thinking about this the other day. You know, yes, Russia is a big producer of oil and natural gas. And the world has basically said, we don't want your oil and natural gas anymore. What a tremendous opportunity for the United States to fill in that gap. We could right. have actually increased by a lot our production of oil and natural gas and given that to the world to make up for Russia. That would actually put real pressure on them because they figured even if we get right with the world again, the energy economy is now changed and we, are, we, we will never be as dominant as we once were because the United States has filled in the gap. Did we? Did anybody even talk about doing something like that? Would this administration even dream of doing something like that? No. The point is for us to suffer. Yeah, uh, um, our, our chat is on point right now. Andy, if you showed this one already, I'm sorry, but this comment had me laughing while Jim was talking. Mm -hmm. Worship Ra, the Egyptian sun god, and Aztec wind god, I can't pronounce that, and the economy will be fine. <laughs> that's that's yeah. Seriously, that's our like energy policy of this country right now. Mm -hmm. it, it's, it's absurd. Uh, there is another Yellen clip. We are running a little short on time. Jim, do you think it's worth playing or should we recap it? What do you think? No, I think we, let's play this clip because it it uh, this is so now we're going to hear from uh, Janet Yellen, who everybody says is a genius, is the Treasury Secretary Secretary of the United States. These are her solutions. The if if the United States does these things, we'll whip inflation. Here we go. I believe Congress, the President believes Congress can do a lot to mitigate some of the most important and burdensome costs that households face, whether it's um, that they can't find affordable housing, that prescription drug prices are too high, and we can address that while also raising, raising revenue for the government by making the investments um, in renewables that are um, necessary to bring down utility bills, infrastructure, investment in people, in education, in training, investment in child care and early childhood education, elder care <laughs> that would enable greater labor force participation. All of that could help to bring down uh, inflation and lead to strong, sustainable, stable growth. Yeah, it, it's unbelievable that they're trying to rescue our economy by pursuing this fake economy of of generating renewable energy. It, it's ridiculous. And this is the path that they're going down. They started off early with all of this stuff with gas prices going up saying, we'll just buy an electric vehicle as if, you know, everyone's got $50,000 to spend. But the Biden administration apparently just invoked the Defense Production Act to spur the production of solar panels and other clean energy technologies. 
I'm reading from a USA Today article. Unless the U.S. expands manufacturing, the nation will have to rely on imports for the climate uh, climate change fighting technology, the administration said in an announcement uh, decision on Monday. They would leave the U.S. vulnerable to supply chain problems and unable to benefit from jobs connected to the growing industry. Quote, for too long, the nation's clean energy supply chain has been over-reliant on foreign sources and adversarial nations, Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm said in a statement. The administration also announced it won't impose tariffs for two years on panels from Southeast Asia while the Commerce Department reviews whether the imports violate trade rules. Most solar panels installed in the U.S. are imported about uh, with about three quarters of the imports coming from Southeast Asia. An acute shortage of panels is causing the solar projects across the country to be postponed or canceled, the administration said in declaring the emergency conditions require any new tariffs to be paused while the U.S. increases its domestic supply. So, Jim or Chris, maybe you can uh, enlighten me. I'm not entirely sure what these uh, tariffs they're talking about are. Are these the ones that are imposed on them because China steals our intellectual properties on a daily basis? Or is it the the tariffs that were imposed because they use Uyghur slave labor to build the panels? Which one are they waving? Do you know? Hmm. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure. But uh, <laughs> the other thing to mention is that, you know, uh, like, like I said, we can use the panels to collect energy from the sun or the wind or, you know, you know turbines for the wind. Uh, we can even build those panels in America, but we are still going to be reliant on China for the rare earth materials to build those things. There's no way that you can cut it unless we start, you know, mining substantially here in the United States. But I'm pretty sure there's a couple of uh, advocacy groups in the United States that would be against that. So all of this, you know, is, is even made worse when you recognize the the reality of the situation when it comes to wind and solar being terrible sources of energy, just terrible. Do we have to do another episode on why yeah. wind and solar are so terrible at, uh, you know, collecting energy to run on? It, well, it's look, unbelievable. Well, I mean, look, look, look back or people can rewind this podcast and go back to what Janet Yellen said in that testimony to Congress, that the way to, to fight inflation among the many things is, of course, just pour another, I don't know, how about another three trillion into the economy from the government? You know, just print more money and put it in the economy. You know, she's she was trying to run away from the fact that she said privately that she agreed with Larry Summers, that that she the word, there was a report that she had told the Biden administration to stop spending so much, that you need to cut down your, your um, stimulus plan by at least a third or you're going to risk um, massive runaway inflation. Of course, she wasn't listened to and now she denies that she actually even said it. So, but her solutions there in front of Congress, one of them is uh, investments in green energy so that people, and she said this would reduce the energy bills of Amer of the American people, as if as if we just did that tomorrow, then yes, I'm spend right. we're spending we're spending thirty bucks less on uh, to heat our homes in the winter this coming winter. It's complete magical fantasy thinking, and I I don't actually don't even think she's that dumb. But what what people have to know is that wind and solar, just on its own, and it's and just wind and solar right now in our energy economy is more expensive than coal and natural gas. If you are, if, if, there are programs in states, I think Illinois is one, where you can volunteer to get X percentage of your energy from so-called renewable uh, sources, and they let you know, well, it's going to be more expensive for you. So, of course, people don't volunteer to do it because they're not stupid, and they're not going to be doing it now. Coal and natural gas is actually still don't by far the dominant. <laughs> That's right. But coal and natural gas is by far still the dominant. Uh, source of energy in this country and should remain so and will remain so unless Biden starts taking all these things offline. Uh, you know, this is a this is a it, it's I used to call it a slow rolling disaster on like on all fronts of the United States. I don't think it's going so slow anymore. Things seem yeah. to be speeding up on how bad things are running uh, from the energy economy to inflation to to policy all over the place. Yeah, you're you're right. It's like as if we're like, all right, let's do wind and solar. And then tomorrow they just turn on the wind and solar and all of our prices go down. Like she even said it like 
You have to build up the infrastructure. You have to find places to build these massive sprawling solar uh, farms and, and, and wind farms and all of that. That guess what? People don't like to live around. So it's actually very hard to find places. And even if you do find a place to put it, you have to build all the, uh, all the transmission wires to go from that to population centers where people live. How long do you think all of that's going to take? before we could actually see a reduction in energy prices as a result of this. It's ridiculous, but um, I think we are going to do a show. I, I see this quote here, a uh, comment, I should say. Do a show on the horrible inefficiencies of wind and solar. I think we're going to do that. I think we're going to have to get Isaac Orr back on the show for next week. And we're just going to do a full energy episode. Uh, I, I specifically want to do it to knock down some of these ridiculous narratives that like, there's nothing that we can do to lower the the price of of uh of gas or whatever because this is a global thing. I've seen that on Twitter so many times; it's unbelievable. I can't believe the narrative has gone this far. So uh, yeah, we're gonna have to address that probably next week. Uh, Chris, I'm gonna give you the last word on anything you want to say because we are starting to run long here on the podcast. But I'll I'll, I'll give you the closing closing remarks here. Yeah. So the pattern that I've noticed uh, is that the Biden administration is constantly talking about lowering prices. Uh, higher prices are a symptom of inflation. And that uh, uh, the real inflationary drivers are all the government spending and the taxes and regulations that are crushing the, uh, the supply. So unless and until the Biden administration says, we are going to spur economic growth and production by relaxing uh, regulations and uh, decreasing taxes. We're, we're never going to get out of this inflationary spiral that we're stuck in. So this, you know, they, they're just trying to uh, lo lower prices artificially, but that's not going to work. All it's going right. to do is actually misallocate more resources and create more disruption in the economy. Right. But don't worry, everyone. Those people that stole Nancy Pelosi's podium and took selfies in the rotunda, they're going to be held accountable tonight. So hmm. don't worry about any of the other stuff that we talked about. That's the real important message today. <laughs> uh, all right. Thank you all. Thank everyone for tuning into this episode of the In the Tank podcast. Like I said, if you're uh, listening to this audio only, you're probably listening on a Friday. You can join us a day earlier on Thursdays. Watch the video component of the show. Put a face to the voice. Join in the conversation. Leave your comments and questions. Maybe we'll uh, show your comment on screen. Maybe we'll address your questions on the fly. If you'd like, you can follow us on Twitter at InTheTankPod. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions for the show, feel free to email us at InTheTankPodcast at gmail.com. Jim Lakely, where can the fine people find you? At Jay Lakely on Twitter, at Heartland Inst on Twitter, and always visit heartland.org. Fantastic. Chris Talgo, what do you have to pitch today? Stopitsocialism.com and heartland.org. Fantastic. Thank you all for tuning in. We're going to talk to you next week.